0: Today's episode is sponsored by.
1: Alien abduction has never been as hot as it is in Tana Stone's USA Today best-selling sexy sci-fi romances. Do you love sci-fi adventure, but like some spice? These books will set you on fire. From tribute brides for badass alien warriors to women marooned on a desert planet inhabited by gorgeous barbarians. The heroines in these steamy romance novels are no damsels in distress, but when they fall, they fall hard. Are you ready to fall for your next book boyfriend? Escape to another world with Tannistone's alpha heroes who will have you wishing for an alien invasion. June is Audiobook Month. Join Viviana, the Enchantress of Books, and the Audiobook Lovin' series as she celebrates the authors and narrators who bring your favorite stories to life. Not only will this month be packed with exciting guest podcasts full of all things books, but stick around after each episode for some special information about this year's giveaway and more.
0: Welcome to Season 9, Episode 26 of this year's Audiobook Loving Series. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with author Gwen McNamee. So, Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here to talk to you. Yeah, it's going to be
0: fun because we're talking about books and the awesome stuff that you write. <laughs> so it's all great. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing, and how you got started.
2: Sure. So I actually was a writing intensive English major in college. and know was I was always that kid even when I was little who had a book with me and (laughs) was always reading and always writing and jotting down story ideas and things like that and you know kind of honed that in college but uh, then I went to law school and I was a practicing criminal defense attorney for a very long time (laughs) and was always a big reader and reading on the side and beta reading for authors and editing for them kind of just for fun. And eventually it became a side business that I did on top of running my own law firm. And then about seven years ago, I moved from Wisconsin to Las Vegas and I was pregnant at the time. And I told my husband, you know, I kind of want to stay home with the baby, at least for a little while. I don't want to take the bar exam in Nevada to practice law. And he was like, well, why don't you just turn your editing business into a full-time thing? And I was like, oh, that's okay, yeah, I can do that. I had enough clients to do that. And I started writing a lot more and eventually decided to start publishing. So it's been about seven years and I've been publishing and editing full-time the whole time since then.
0: (laughs) Wow. It's a, it's awesome when you can make something that you do as a side hustle to be completely full-time.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, I I've always loved doing it, loved writing, love editing, you know, looking over other people's stories and writing down my own. So it's a lot, it's a lot more fun than being in the courtroom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was often told sometimes that I could be pretty good at, you know, argumentative and making things. And they're like, you should have been a lawyer or a psychologist. And I'm like, no, it's quite all right. Thank you. (laughs) But that's a major feat. I and mean, it's a it's a big, you know, lots of learnings and things like that. I can also imagine when it comes down to transitioning a lot of that learning into some of your books and stuff like that. How has that been in um, you know, how's that your past careers influenced any of your books and writing?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I also I mean, I try to put a lot of what I've experienced in my life into my books, there's little bits and pieces of different cases that that I've worked on, you know, things that I've been exposed to, I have a lot of lawyers in my books, because my husband's also a lawyer, we met in law school. So, you know, writing lawyers and writing legal scenarios and things like that into my books is just super natural to me. And I also help other authors, you know, kind of do that too. I do consults with them to help them create more realistic legal scenarios in books. So it's kind of, I get to still experience little bits of my former career (laughs) while I do this. Of course, my background in running intensive English, you know, helps me from the editing perspective. I'm always... You know, trying to work on with other authors, kind of teaching them, you know, the, the little intricate grammar rules that most people don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and things that, like, you know, a lot of authors don't have that background and they just put their story on paper and they're like, let my editor fix it. And so that's what I do for other people. I love doing that. I love being able to take what I've learned and what I know and kind of share it and help other authors grow in their own, you know, careers.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of folks sometimes I see. it when there's some terminology or scenarios and I'm going "Mm, a little more research babe a little more research Um, (laughs) yeah
2: I I have a really hard time reading books that have lawyers or like trial scenes or legal scenarios because (laughs) 90% of them are just wrong 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 (laughs) and I'm like gosh if you just talk to somebody you could have gotten this right
0: (laughs) yeah I mean anytime the there's there's a blurb and they're talking about restaurant chef Kitchen owner, stuff like that. I'm going, hmm, I don't know if I want to go there.
2: <laughs> I have I have t- a couple of chef books, but mm. I do my research. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, see, that's because I already know that I would automatically pick up your books. Nothing like, you know, going reading there about a, uh and using the wrong term for a specific dice or position in the kitchen kind of a thing. It's like, oh, yeah. no, folks, come on. It's And it's, some people think it's minor. But for us that are in that industry, it's the same thing like when they Mispronounce a name of a city that's local or a street that's local. You're going mm-hmm. no, you ain't from around here, are you?
2: <laughs> I get that a lot, um, because I'm from Wisconsin, and we have a lot of you know pronunciations that and cities that are pronounced kind of strange. I'll see it get mentioned on the national news, and they'll just <laughs> slaughter the pronunciation of it, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're a reporter, you didn't research how to say the city's name, like Manitowoc, like people are always like Manitoic. And I'm like, no, it's Manitowoc. (laughs) Like, I always, like, get frustrated when I see it on the news and people, like, you know, say it it incorrectly.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, here in Florida, we have a bunch of indigenous names for cities and and rivers and stuff like that. Same for us. Like,
2: like Manitowoc was a tribe in Wisconsin.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Kissing me is always one that's missing around, you know, and it's to me. (laughs) I'm like, hey, if you want to kiss me, that's fine, but that's not what we're talking about right now. You write with a lot of different genres too, because it's romantic suspense, you know, dark mafia, rom-coms. What is it about these genres that you enjoy so much that you write in them?
2: So I always joke that I have genre ADD, but (laughs) I mean, I legit do have ADHD, but, but I call it genre ADD because I have a kind of mind where I can't write the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. I just get bored with it. And so I have to kind of jump around and write in different genres and write different things when I'm in the mood you know to be doing that like my rom-com series um, the slip series it's all about wardrobe malfunctions and mm. they're novellas they're like 25,000 words and those three are all in audio available on Scribd only right now but I think that Scribd is going to make them available wide eventually on the other um, audio platforms. But those books came about because I was writing a super, super angsty book about (laughs) a woman whose husband had been murdered, and she was a single mom, and she was, you know, six months out from his death and, you know, in a really bad place emotionally. And writing that book just dragged me down so much and depressed me so much that I couldn't I couldn't keep writing it. And I had to move away from it, even though it was only half done. And I was like, I need to write a rom-com. I need to write something that's lighter and fluffy and it's more fun. And, you know, I went and I wrote these three novellas and then I came back to the angsty book and finished it out. And it's one of my favorite books I've ever written, but I needed that mental break. Yeah. (laughs) And since I love reading all genres even non-romance genres, like I read thrillers and suspense novels and nonfiction. And uh, it's easy for me to kind of bounce around between them because I know kind of what the elements are in the different subgenres. I also edit a bunch of different subgenres, even some ones I don't write in. Like I edit a lot of sci-fi novels, like strangely enough, like hardcore sci-fi novels, not, you know, blue alien romance, but like, <laughs> su- but like hardcore sci-fi novels that are like Star trek you know, Star Wars type m- type stuff. Nice. Um, I edit a lot of those and I love it because it's not romance and it kind of takes my brain out of what I write for a while, which I need to do. And for me, bouncing around genres helps me I think when I do write in one, like I can focus on that one for a while and then move to the next one and it helps me kind of bounce around.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, definitely totally understand a pl- like a mental plot palette, you know, cleansing of sorts, especially when yeah. these dark mafias, y'all go dark.
2: <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, mine- <laughs> Yeah, my dark mafia, see, like, I I think mine are a little bit different because mine are dark in the aspect that, like, there is a lot of blood. And these are very bad people who do very bad things to other people. And there's lots of violence and gore on the page. But I don't write dark from the perspective of what a lot of readers consider it to be. I don't write dubcon. I don't write non-con. Like, I write men who... Yes, there might be some very aggressive sex. and There might be a lot of horrible, terrible things said to each other. And I have scenes where he fucks her with a gun and a scene where she holds a gun to his chest while he's fucking her because she doesn't trust him and thinks he might kill her. So like, I definitely write like darker (laughs) stuff, but I, but that, but I don't cross certain lines in my books. And that's just like a personal thing for me that I can't write that stuff. Um, I'm perfectly fine to read it in other books. (laughs) But like, I I don't know if it's the criminal defense attorney or what, but but I have a hard time writing that stuff. So that, you know, you'll never find that uh, the dub con non con in my books, but they're still very dark in a lot of other aspects.
0: Yeah, you know, it's 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 some that I'm still trying to get into. Like, I, you know, growing up in years past, um, I mean, I I think it happens around the pandemic where the dark romance really took off. It was just romantic, you know, romantic suspense or you had those characters and there was a lot of stuff that was deemed, you know, potentially more darker. But it's really gone off now yes. with this and their psychological and the, the, the you know, the dub consent and and all these things. And sometimes people are what it really is, is erotica. And it's just getting named differently a little bit, too, especially with the smut side of things. But some of this stuff I'm going, listen, I'm all for any kind of kinkiness and let's try stuff out but some of y'all like what happened
2: (laughs) yeah I do I do feel like things went really really dark during the pandemic which I can understand people were in a dark place I love it and I one thing I love so much about writing romance is that There's such a wide array, like there's such a scale of you can find anything in your comfort zone there, you know, somebody writes something in your comfort zone or some, you know, somebody writes something that you're looking for. If you want super uber duber pitch black dark, where it's like nothing but psychological trauma and aggression and criminal acts, you can find that and you can find it well written by somebody. Or if you want something light and fluffy, you can find that too. And I like that there's a spectrum. It gives people the ability to find what they're really in the mood for. Because like, I'm a mood reader. There are times where like, oh, I just need like a fluffy brother's best friend, (laughs) you know, next door neighbor romance. And then there are times where I'm like, oh, I need something dark and angsty that's going to make me cry. (laughs) So I like having those options. And I feel like when I started reading romance really heavily, which was probably about 15 years ago, there wasn't that variety. Everything was written exactly in the certain beats and the certain tropes. And it's just expanded and exploded so much in the last 10 years which is fabulous
0: it is it's one of the reasons why I love and I have stuck to romance with with so many years I think it's yeah it's been years since I started reading I think I was like 15 and stuff when I first started it's because of the variety and you know you can go from shifters to you know romantic suspense to you know cute cuddly fate to black all this other fun stuff and then you have aliens with multiple appendages
2: (laughs) right (laughs) right
0: (laughs) So with all the jumping of the genres that you write in, is there one that you're thinking about potentially writing in next or that
2: you would love to get into writing? So I, the, the next, during this year and probably the next year, I'm going to be going back to my more angsty contemporary because that's kind of where I started. And that's my primary genre. That's where I think my writing style really plays into it because I write very, very deeply first person point of view, my sweet spot's like 100,000 words for a book. (laughs) And that length of a book does just just doesn't work with certain subgenres. I feel like the way that I write angst and emotion and, you know, people's internal struggles just lends itself so well to the angsty contemporary romance. So that's probably what I'm going to be writing primarily for the next two years, because I have two series that I'm working on finishing up with some other little projects kind of in between there but I've contemplated potentially doing a fantasy series like a PNR light light PNR fantasy type series that I'm hoping I can get to eventually (laughs) because I did do PNRs very early on in my career under a different pen name under my DP Payne pen name And they're super raunchy and super over the top and very, very like borderline erotica. And they're technically not erotica because they have plot lines and they have HEAs and it's not just sex, (laughs) but there's a lot of sex (laughs) and it's very raunchy. And I loved writing in those paranormal worlds and being able to write characters where I'm not constrained by like human limitations. So I'm considering kind of getting back into that eventually. I just don't think it'll be for like another year or two, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause you're busy writing a bunch of different things. And yeah, yeah,
2: I've got two ongoing series right now that I am like I said that I'm working on adding more books to and wrapping up and then once I complete those I'll jump into something else
0: <laughs> yeah the other thing that's been more popular recently which is for me it's it's interesting how that ha- that happened was it used to be that you would ask the question like what's your favorite genre or people would give you like hey, any recommendation in, in xyz genre now it's all about the tropes yeah a hundred percent yeah, which in some cases for me some of those tropes are a bit like spoiler alert in a sense like you know, uh-huh. surprise baby. I'm like,
2: man. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's like I have I, I struggle with that too as an author because part of what I love about reading is the surprise and not knowing what's coming. I have a lot of books that have big surprises in them that I keep hidden, you know, throughout the book. And a lot of them, I could be marketing them very heavily as a certain trope, but I don't because that's the surprise and I don't want to reveal it. So on one hand, it's like a great marketing tactic to have a ton of tropes in your book. But at the same time, it means giving away major plot points. So it's, I I kind of am on the fence about, (laughs) about the whole, like, let's reveal what our, what our tropes and what our plots are thing. It's hard. I I do it for some of my series and then other series, I don't reveal what they are.
0: So I mean like the whole must share a bed. I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like
2: I'm okay. Like I'm okay with giving it away that like, there's going to be forced proximity or that there's going to be, you know, an age gap or there's going to be something angsty or even like an unplanned pregnancy. If it's something that happens early in the book, I don't really consider that a spoiler, but like, If it's they break up at the three quarter mark and then she comes back and she's, you know, nine months pregnant and is like, oh, you came back because, you know, I'm about to have your baby. Then I feel like that's a huge spoiler. (laughs) So a lot of it depends on kind of the context of like where, you know, like what is the trope and where does it appear in the book?
0: So as a writer, are you plotting out your stories? Are you panstering? And how much does the trope take? place in
2: the right oh I am a huge plotter like I am the plot buddy I actually have a service where like I used to do plotting for other authors I think it's because of my training in college in you know story structure and and writing that I can so easily plot a book for me I can sit down and plot out a hundred thousand word 30 chapter book in like a day and have it completely plotted and know exactly what's going to happen in every single chapter and have the entire story in my head and down on paper. I might not have time to write that book for another year, but it's totally plotted and sitting there and waiting for me. (laughs) I don't think I could be a pantser because for me, I weave so much into my books in terms of things that happen in like chapter one that come back in chapter 30 or things that like are part of a series where I have to have it happen because it's gonna come back in book seven. Like I, so for me, I have to weave those things in and being a plotter helps me ensure that I have, you know, all those little things that I'm going to need to set up something else happening. That being said, I don't adhere a hundred percent to my my plots all the time there are definitely times where I'll be writing and my characters will take me in a completely different direction and I'll be like well shit now I have to go back and replot the next 10 chapters because it's not going to get me to the end that I originally had planned because of this change that I made so then I just adjust my plot as I go and I don't have any problem doing that. And I, I I help a lot of authors do that. I have a lot of people who message me at like three in the morning and they'll be like, when you wake up, I need you to help me work out this plot. <laughs> and I, I love doing that. I love working with other authors. I do a lot of phone plotting consults where like we call and just talk through the plots and I help them get it down on paper because a lot of people have a really hard time putting it on paper, even though they already have the idea in their head. Yes. So, yeah, definitely a plotter. And I don't think that will ever change.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you the kind of writer, too, that that hears or has a character speaking to them as the story, even though you're a plotter? Because I know sometimes the authors will say that, yeah, the characters just wouldn't shut up. And they're telling oh, me God, the
2: story. yes. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, I that's why I'm saying, like, sometimes my plots just go completely off the rails. But like when I say I, I plot a book, like I'm plotting it from the basics of, I already have that voice in my head. Like it's, I, I'm not plotting it and kind of making it up as I go. I'm plotting what's already being told to me by my character in my head. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not telling the characters what to put on, like what's gonna happen on paper. They're telling me what I need to put on the paper in my plot it might just be like it might just be like a line like I've literally written an entire series based off one line that popped into my head that a character was saying to another character and ever since then that's kind of the way that I that my ideas come up is like I'll see one scene in my head or I'll hear one line or a character will say one thing and all of a sudden I'll be like okay well there goes there's a the six book series <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and, you know, because I'm so long-winded and I'm writing like a hundred thousand word books, sometimes I do have to like really plan out ahead of time what's going to happen in the whole series.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But do you ever have those characters that were like, Hey, no, 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 no. It's not going to
2: be his turn. My turn. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, and what, what I, the way I handle that is I, I typically do not write like change the order of the books in a series because my most of my series are not like that each book is a different couple. So I guess they're technically standalones, but there, I write on um, in series plot arcs. So something that happens in book one is going to affect what happens in book two is going to affect what happens in book four. So you really do need to read them in order. And I wouldn't change the order of like which character gets their book when. But what I will do if one character will not shut up and just keep screaming at me is I do write on multiple projects at the same time. Like I probably have 10 or 12 books that are at various stages of, you know, working on them on my computer. Some of them might only have two or three chapters and some of them I'm halfway done with them. And if that particular character is screaming at me on one particular day, I will sit down and write that book and work on that book and get that particular scene that's in my head out. And then I'll come back to it again when it's clear again. So I'm, I do bounce around, which a lot of authors don't do that. They can only write, you know, two particular characters at any given time but for me it's not like that I see them all so distinctly and so clearly that I can kind of bounce around and that again helps me with my ADD and my like not writing the same thing all the time
0: (laughs) (laughs) but also I mean kind of getting it out of your head so you can go back to the next book that is on deadline for an example yeah exactly (laughs) so what's your favorite type of scene to write because we all you know that first time that they meet the first time that they kiss when they're you know battling with each other Um,
2: I am such a sucker for enemies to lovers and like that for like that the scenes where their tension is just building and they're screaming at each other and they're getting closer and moving closer to each other and then all of a sudden it boils over and they're making out like that like (laughs) that's my absolute when the tension finally hits ahead and they just like go at each other is my favorite scene to write ever I love enemies to lovers and if I could write nothing but enemies to lovers forever I would be happy (laughs) (laughs) but I can't I cannot only write enemies to lovers because I get bored so I do so I write a lot of enemies to lovers but you know, I try to mix
0: it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's always that whole thing that they tell us, you know, after a good fight, making up's the best.
2: Uh, right. A hundred percent.
0: In real life, though. Uh, <laughs> sometimes. yeah. I don't right. know. I
2: don't know if my husband would agree with. with yeah, me. it's always better after the
0: fight. Thing. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. So having uh, the hubby that's also a lawyer and stuff like that does he ever turn around funny and say so hey who have I inspired for you
2: (laughs) uh no because like I established very early on like when I started writing that he was not allowed to ever read my books and (laughs) he hasn't to this day I have like 60 something books out and he's never read any of them because like every time I do mention something that's in a story he'll be like is that what you want a guy who's gonna do that and I'll be like no it's just fiction like because he gets a little like you know like annoyed with it and i'll be like no like it's fiction you know and so i finally just like stopped talking to him about like any like details of my books (laughs) (laughs) like he doesn't even know like half the time he doesn't even know when i have a release and i and and i'll just be he'll be like why are you so stressed out today and i'll be like oh because i have a release and he'll be like oh (laughs) like he doesn't you know like he supports me totally doing this he's incredibly supportive like if I have Something like if I'm on a deadline, and I have something I need to get done. And I'm like, oh, my God, can you just like we have a seven year old and I'll be like, can you just like get her out of the house? Like, can you just like go take her to dinner or take her to Dave and Buster's or like go do something with her? He's the first one to be like, OK, let's go. And he'll take her somewhere and, you know, they'll have some daddy daughter time. And but like I don't need him knowing all the details of my bus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I asked because there's, a you know, for us that have partners and we're reading these books it's kind of like how what you, your yours was saying about is that the kind of stuff that you want or like and then other times they're just being funny, like hey did I inspire that and it's always a, fun for me to kind of see what that dynamic looks like I mean
2: there yeah and I mean there <laughs> definitely are there definitely are scenes and like conversations in my books that are inspired by things that have happened with my husband like in my reader group the playroom I always share what I hashtag as things my husband says because <laughs> my husband is and I'll like screenshot our text messages or I'll like summarize a conversation that we had because my husband is incredibly funny and he is like he's he can make anything a sexual innuendo like anything a sexual innuendo and So he says a lot of really fucking hilarious stuff that ends up in my books, or like inspires a scene or a character that ends up in my books. So he's, there's definitely a lot of him in a lot of my characters, but like, you know, these growly men who like make demands of their women, I would never allow that in my house. (laughs) Like, like, no, sorry. You're not talking to me like that. Uh Uh-uh, you're not. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, he's, he inspires certain things, but like, he, he also knows that like, you know, it's fiction and I keep reminding him it's fiction.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sounds like it's one to like if I was an author, I'd be the one messing with the husband from that perspective saying, hey, just do me a favor. Just bend over and try to grab that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm the friend that also likes to mess with things like that and just mess with their heads. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So where do you get your ideas for your stories?
2: Um. Like I said that my characters talk to me in my head like I don't I typically things will just literally just come to me like I will be like out walking my dog or I'll be driving or whatever and all of a sudden like a scene will just come into my head and it's not necessarily like inspired by anything I would say in terms of like inspiration, the stories that have been inspired by something um, like my rom-com dick slip <laughs> that was inspired by something that happened at the NFL combine, like in 2014. And one of the guys was running the 20 yard dash or 30 yard dash or whatever it was and his dick literally fell out of his running shorts <laughs> and while he was running the this the combine is broadcast live on like ESPN and the commentators were like whoa and like their comments about his literal dick slip he, like <laughs> ma- when i went to write a a a romantic comedy I was like oh my god I have to write a story about a guy whose dick falls out during like a sporting event (laughs) and (laughs) so that's what inspired that story and then like the other books in the series were kind of spins on that so like there are definitely things that inspire me but I'd say the vast majority of my books it's like a scene or a character just starts talking to me and pops into my head and then that kind of goes on a roll
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah It's always the saying goes, you know, never piss off an author. They'll put you in the story and kill you off. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's
2: definitely happened. That's definitely happened. Some of my villains are based on some people I've known in real life. But I have to be really careful not to name them certain things because if these people ever read the books, they would know. Oh, goodness.
0: It's therapeutic, though, you know?
2: It is. It's cathartic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Now you have your titles in audio. What made you decide to go into that format?
2: Well, yeah, I'm in the process of getting more and more of them done into audio. I have such a huge backlist that it's going to take a while to to get all of them made into audio. Uh, Because audio wasn't as big of a thing when I started seven years ago. There was a little bit of it. Like I definitely remember listening to audiobooks, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And for me, I used to buy them because I had like a half an hour drive from my office from my home to my office every day. So I would be able to listen to an hour of a book every day. And so I I preferred that to listening to the radio on my drive. So that's how I started like listening to them. And then when I became an author, I initially didn't put them in audio just because of the expense. Like, you know, I'm writing 100,000 word books. <laughs> that's going to cost me, you know, 7500 dollars to make into audio if I'm doing dual audio. So it's, you know, it can be very, very expensive to do it. So I I kind of held off on doing it. And now my backlist is so huge that it's going to take me (laughs) a while to, to go back and, and do all of those books. But, um, you know, audio is becoming so much more popular, people are busier and busier, they don't have time to sit down physically with a book, or they're somewhere where they don't want people to see what they're reading. (laughs) So, you know, they can put in a pop in an earbud and can listen to it without worrying about like what anybody else is thinking about it. Um, I also find that like being a busy mom, being able to like pop in an earbud, like while I'm doing other things and like clean my house or do laundry or you know, even just like riding bikes with my kid, I'll put in like one one earbud because she's off in front of me and I can still pay attention to her while I'm listening. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think audiobooks are only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think more and more people are going to start finding them. So I really want to get as many of my books as possible and hopefully my entire backlist into audio in the next couple of years.
0: Nice. For so the ones that you have out and the currently ones that you're looking to, uh, that you're working on, how involved are you um, with the casting of the books?
2: Um, So I have a one three book series that's part of the Cocky Hero Club with Vi um, Keelan and Penelope Ward. Dirty Player, Filthy Friend, and Shameless Chef. Those ones I had zero say in because they were my publishers for them. And so they controlled all of that. But I ended up with really fabulous fabulous narrators on all three of them so I have zero complaints <laughs> whatsoever about those like they ended up like right my, my favorite my favorite is Filthy Friend because Teddy Hamilton just like oh my god I love him but, but all my other ones that are in audio I pretty much I get narrators that will like submit auditions based on little samples that I upload and then I'll choose from the auditions somebody that. I think fits the character and sounds like the character in my head. I have yet to like approach somebody directly and say, Hey, I like your sound. Do you want to do my book? Just because um, I'm not really big enough at this point. I don't oh, think to get some of those huge <laughs> name people to do my books. Um, but um, I, you know, I would love to be able to do that. And hopefully in the future I will be able to do that. But um, some of my books are also with audiobook publishers like Tantor um, so if they're with an audiobook publisher, they submit them for some auditions and then they send me the auditions and let me choose from the people available. So, you know, I I so I do have some say in it, but I'm not like a hundred percent in control of like the final product. Um, you know, they'll send me samples and say, does this look good? You know, does chapter one sound good? Are you liking it so far? Is there anything you want me to change? But then they produce the entire book and it gets put up. And, you know, I I can't go in and tweak little things really. But they have editors who do that for me because they're my publisher.
0: So you also mentioned Scribed or Scribd
2: earlier mm-hmm.
0: about and having that you have some books in audio through them. Can you tell us more about that? Because there's some listeners that May not know about this.
2: Sure. Okay. So, Scribd is this or Scribed? I guess I always heard it Scribd, but maybe it's Scribed. I don't um, know. <laughs> there, it's an incredible platform. They have it's it's eBooks and audio, and you pay one one um, fee a month. It's I think it's seven ninety nine in the U S. If I remember correctly, and you have unlimited eBooks and audio for that, unlimited, which is incredible. And so um, most almost all of my books are on there, they kind of limit the the ebook price. So some of my higher priced books, you can't get there. But for audio, they approached me to do the slip series and the supernatural love stories and the absurd series, which is the PNR series that I wrote under DP pain. And they're they're all novellas, they're all like 20 to 30,000 words. Uh, so the audio for each one is about two hours, two and a half hours. So they're shorter listens, but they're great little, like they approached me and like, these are incredible. They're a nice little palate cleansers. Or like, if somebody is looking for like something that they want to listen to quickly in one day, and it's not going to take them a week. So they were really excited about doing them. Um, and so the, all three slip books are available in audio there. And the first absurd book, Parch, just released this week. So that one's brand new and the rest, the other three uh, PNRs are going to be coming out in the next probably two to three weeks.
0: Nice. Yeah. we're always having the conversation about where we can get more bang for our buck. In they are. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I mean, the, the only issue is that so many authors are exclusive to audible um, yeah. and they sign that exclusivity contract with them because that means they make more money, you know, for every sale they have on audible. They make more if they're exclusive and only available on Audible than they do if they have them available on all the e- you know all the audiobook vendors. So I understand why authors do that. Like my my cocky hero club books are only available on Audible for that reason because my publisher, because I Helen and Penelope were who are my publisher, said nope, we're going to do this exclusive deal with them. So I totally get that. Uh, but Audible pricing is insane. <laughs> I don't I don't think readers understand this, but authors do not set their own prices for uh, for audiobooks if they're on audible <laughs> um audible sets it themselves that's why they're so expensive you know you get what you know you pay for one credit a month and i think it's like what 12.99 or 14.99 a month $14. for one credit
0: 14.99 for one credit yeah right
2: and so it's like and i remember the days when it was like 5.99 i know years, 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 but like way back when so you know i used to get 5 credits a month because it was so cheap like <laughs> way back when so I understand that, like, that it, it's hard for readers who can't, you know, be paying all that all the time to listen to so many books. And that's why places like Scribd and Kobo are incredible. Um, Kobo also has audio and their audio, um, I believe, is going to be the same kind of format, Audible Plot, kind of like a Kobo plus where you can stream as many audiobooks as you want for one price. You're not going to have the selection that you have on Audible because so many of those books are exclusive to Audible. But there are so many incredible authors and so many incredible books that are available on all these other vendors. You're going to find something there. And for $7.99 a month or $8.99 a month or whatever it is, you can binge so many books. So I highly encourage people if they're looking for ways to find more audio, to look at like a script subscription because it's worth it. And you also get eBooks. It's not just audio. It's also eBooks. So you can go to something like that. And yes, there are going to be some things that are not available because they're KU books. So they're not going to be on Scribd, but you, it, it can expand what you have accessible to you. You know, some of those books that are five ninety nine dollars or six ninety nine dollars on Amazon that are not in KU are probably on Scribd. So you pay that one time $8 fee each month and you can read as many of those books as you want. So, you know, it's a, it's a small amount of money to pay to kind of have another world of books opened up to you, I think.
0: No, absolutely. And also people have a the conception that not only that you guys as the author set the price for the books, but that that money goes back to you.
2: <laughs> oh God, no, <laughs> no, yeah, no, not. so. Um, thinking, audio, yeah. <laughs> audio is the biggest ripoff for authors. <laughs> and I mean, it's I hate saying it, but it's so true. You know, like like readers will look at it and be like, oh my God, this audiobook is $14.99, cringe. And I, and, I, and they'll be like, oh, this greedy author. Well, okay, you know how much of that we get? Like a dollar five or something if like you're that. Lucky. Like, if we're lucky. It is such a small, small, small percentage that we actually get paid. And so when readers Take a look at that price. Please understand that is not money that's going to the author. <laughs> that is money that is going to Amazon through Audible. That's why a lot of authors, including myself, are going to selling both ebooks and audio from our own websites. Yep. Because we can sell it at a lower price and we get more money even selling it at a lower price because there's no middleman. So I've started just with my I have a new release coming up next week um, and I just with next week announced that I'm going to start selling the ebook from my website and it's going to be available there three days earlier than any other vendor. So people that encourages people to buy it from my website because they can get it three days earlier drives the traffic there. And so I'm going to start releasing all my eBooks three days early on my own website. Once I do more audio, audio that I produce myself, that I pay for myself, that I own, that's not through a publisher. I'll be able to do that on my website as well.
0: Yeah. That's, I think from an investment on the author side of things, it's the, the way to go. And I know that listeners are always wanting more and, and things like that and they think that it doesn't it shouldn't cost that much but I mean, there's a lot of costs associated with a book period and then add oh, yeah. these different formats that have to work into play auto and audio is, is expensive it's not as expensive as some folks may make it out to be on the you know especially if you go with a production company rather a, a publishing house that will buy the rights off the author mm-hmm. but it's still expensive and it's not like it's not a it's not hundred Heck, I would be paying some of y'all to get the books if it was only $100 <laughs> right? No, uh, to make it into audio. But it, it really is a lot that goes into it. And the cost is something that is huge. And so when you are listening, like if you're waiting for an author to get the books in audio or they have a, a few of the books already in series, don't just say, oh, I'll buy the whole series once the last book comes out. Because you're also well, that's, not helping.
2: That's, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. That's exactly the position that I'm in right now with um one of my series, the Hawk Family series. It's my best selling series, by far my most popular series I've ever written, angsty contemporary romance. And the first two books are out in audio, but um there's still four, four more books in the series that are not done yet. And part of that is because People keep saying, "Well, I want to wait till they're all out and then I'll binge listen to all of them." I, you know, I don't want to only listen to the first two and then have to switch to ebook to read the the, the next four. And I'm like, "Yeah, but I really need the money to pay for books three, four, five, six to get, <laughs> yep. public, you know, to get put into audio." So it's kind of like a double edged sword. Um, the same thing. The same thing goes with pre orders on ebooks, which has been posted about a lot on Facebook recently, and I even discussed it in my group recently. I rely, so I'm a wide author, meaning my books are not in KU, unless they're with the publisher who puts them in KU. For wide authors especially, um, pre-orders are so important because they tell us, this is a series, this is a book that I want to read, that my readers want to read. And if my pre-order numbers don't go up with each book I release in that series, then I'm going to assume readers don't like that book, don't want that book, don't want that series. And I'm going to have to pivot and maybe not complete the series or maybe end it sooner than I would have because they're not expressing interest. So when readers tell me, oh, I like to wait until the series is complete, I understand that from a reader perspective because you don't want an author to stop writing in the middle of a series and you not to get the whole thing and then feel like you got gypped out of something. But from from the author point of view, because that's happened to me. There's uh, several several series. I'm, I'm Game of Thrones here. I'm still sitting here waiting for George RR R. Martin to finish I know, <laughs> that right? series and it's been 12 years. So I get it from a reader perspective, but from an author like perspective, you know, when people are relying on on this income to pay their bills, uh, they have to look at what's financially viable for them. And a series is not financially viable if people are not buying every single release, and if they are not pre-ordering releases, we don't know that they're going to like it, and we're going to continue to do that series. So I I hope that readers will keep that in mind who are listening to the podcast that. You know, show your support for a particular book or series or author by pre-ordering the audiobook, the ebook, if you can, ahead of time. Retailers don't charge you when you pre-order. You get charged when the book releases. So if it's a, you know, I don't have the money right now to pre-order situation, which is completely legitimate. Remember that you're actually not going to get charged until the date that that pre-order actually releases. So you will know, you kind of know ahead of time when that money is going to be coming out of your account or, you know, hitting your credit card or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, I want say this is real like, yeah, good thing. I know how to balance my checkbook. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. So I do. I had a friend who 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 used to pre-order so many books that she would literally put together a spreadsheet of like yep. what day it was coming out, how much money was going to come out of her account, and like she had a book account that was like specifically like she had a, um, one of those prepaid debit cards, you know, where you can like put money on it, and she would put like a hundred dollars in, in in a month, and like knew exactly that she had a hundred dollars worth of pre-orders. And I, mean, I was like, it, no, that's like a super smart way to do it. Is like it buy is. yourself a buy yourself like a prepaid card it's a hundred dollars attach that card to your pre-orders and then you will know exactly how much you've spent on it
0: <laughs> yeah no i've gotten to a point of suggesting where you know if you're that much of a reader that you're constantly buying which is great it's almost like set up a separate checking account that is specifically just for the yeah. books people can just you know for your for your birthday you don't want gifts because you can buy yourself stuff uh just you know D- you know deposit the money into the the bank or if you get a gift card stuff you know add yeah to or there. give me a gift
2: card right yeah and all the that. retailers do gift cards so many people you know only concentrate on amazon but you know you can get you can get an apple gift card. i mean apple gift cards you can literally use an apple gift card for anything you can use it for books you can use it for anything so you can get an apple gift card a barnes and noble gift card anything like that you can use it on ebooks you can use it on print so i totally agree i think that like that's I've had so many people who will message me and they'll be like, "Hey, I told my husband for my birthday, I just want an entire signed set of whatever series from you. So, can you, you know, send me an invoice or tell him how much it is so that I can get it ordered?" I love that. <laughs> and and I'm like, "Yeah, I totally encourage you buy my books for gifts." <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, think a yeah. lot of
0: times the uh, authors will have some stuff on their websites where it's a signed book but here's the thing. If, if your favorite author does not have that, shoot your shots, send them a note, send them an email saying, hey. Oh, 100%. I,
2: you know. I, I, all my books are available signed on my website. I have a Shopify store connected to my website. Um, I've always offered signed paperbacks from day one. A lot of authors don't do it because they think there won't be enough interest in it. But especially with TikTok and, paper, and print books blowing up, you have to have print books available, I think. And having them available signed is so huge to some readers, you know, shipping is insane internationally right now. Like if I want to send one book to Canada, it's like $30 for just the shipping. If I want to send, you know, if I want to send a book to Australia, good God, it's like 70. (laughs) I also offer signed book plates where, um, you know, I will sign my nameplate thing and I'll send it to them and they can put that in the book if they don't, you know, and then they can order from Amazon or Barnes and Noble or something instead. I try to make it, as easy as possible for readers to get a signed copy of my book, even if they can't get it from me, because I like to collect them too. (laughs) So yeah, and I also do book boxes, like themed book boxes, which are available on my Shopify store. Like I have one for the cocky hero world books for that that series which is almost sold out. I think I only have like eight boxes left. And then I have one for my Billionaire Lumberjack series and I've done other ones in the past that are now completely sold out. So, I love that whole aspect of being an author of getting to put together fun boxes that are themed and sending out signed paperbacks to people, having them post it when it arrives and their bu- unboxing videos. <laughs> it's so much fun. Like they nothing like that existed 10 years ago and now Everybody does it and it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, those are the posts that you want to get tagged on.
2: <laughs> right. Yes, 100%. Not the ones that are one star reviews. <laughs> yeah. Please don't tag me in one star reviews, people. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: that was the other conversation that um, there was a recently uh, where some people were like, oh, don't tag the author at all. And I'm like, wait, hold up. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen. No, we love listen. getting tagged. Anything like, positive? Please tag right. the author
2: yes please tag me in anything anything that's a positive review tag me but like if it's well I like the story but and then you go on for six pages about all the things you didn't like <laughs> I don't need that tag yeah <laughs> you know like you just think think about it from like a human being perspective yes, like exactly. remember that authors are human beings you know criticism is well accepted by a lot of authors but there are some authors where reading a review like that will literally crush them and send them into like a deep depression so j- just remember we're human beings please and definitely tag us in positive reviews because those are the things that keep us writing but but if but if it's if it's highly you know if it's highly critical of the book or, or a one or two star review maybe don't tag
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean those are things where you're like you
2: know what that's that's okay
0: I'm you know there's there's also too if like there's errors in your ebook copy or for whatever you know send the note to the author saying hey just in, in case you were not aware because I know sometimes different files may be uploaded versus right reviewing them as a one star for something that may be out of their control uh it's yeah there's a lot of (laughs) cock, and uh, we're always trying to get the information out there as real as possible because um, people just don't know what they don't know and it's right yeah yeah yeah, if you're unboxing a box of goodies please tag the author we love seeing that stuff as readers too so when you're not working and doing all this awesome stuff for writing the stories what do you do for fun
2: um well I mean I spend a lot of time with my kid Uh, she plays hockey and she is at the rink all the time. So um, my my readers will, will know because I send this in my newsletter. Every Saturday, I spend like five hours at the hockey rink because oh she has three practices back to back to back to back to back. So I bring my laptop and like watch her play hockey and try to get a little bit of work done on Saturdays. But we're at the rink a lot. But my husband and I also golf a lot. And spent a lot of time at the pool because it's just hot as hell in Vegas, you know, six months out of the year. So that's that's pretty much eats up my time. Uh, And then, of course, reading, you know, trying to squeeze in reading books from my author friends, <laughs> uh, which I have so little time for these days, which I hate, I hate, I hate. I mean, I buy all my friends' books when they release, but you know, to support them, but I don't have time to read all of them.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I've done that. <laughs>
2: like, love you. I've bought it. Don't ask me about it. Right. Yeah. Like um don't ask me the specifics. Uh I'll get to it eventually, I promise. Maybe when I retire. <laughs> oh goodness
0: yeah, it's too many books, not enough time. It's a, it's the truth. So working with the words all day and reading them and listening to them, what's your favorite word?
2: Oh my God. Oh, my favorite word. I love the word surreptitiously. And I remember I used it in my first, in my debut novel. I remember I had a reader message me like, why are you using these big words? I don't understand. <laughs> and, 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 and I kind of, and I was like, Uh, Well, now the Kindle has like the pop-up where it'll give you the definition Definition. of a word, which is super helpful. Um, I try not to use words that I don't think people will recognize, but surreptitiously is just such like a delicious word. Like, I I, it, I don't, I like the way that it sounds and it, and it, it is, the, it's like one of those words that sounds exactly like what it means because, you know, it means you're kind of discreetly doing something. You're doing something in a way where other people won't see you doing it. So I use it a lot where it's like the guy surreptitiously adjusting his raging heart on or like, you know, surreptitiously slipping something, you know, his hand down into the girl's panties or something. So I, I do, you'd probably use that word way too much, but I love it. But I
0: love it too. It's 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 better. I think I love words, and so when you guys as authors get creative, sometimes I'm going way, ringing back a little bit. Uh, but the usage of words like this is what, like, ooh, cool, Yeah, you know, So that's great. What about your favorite curse word?
2: Fuck, hundred <laughs> percent. Don't even have to think about it. Like, it, it's become a joke in my reader group. For like how many fucks I'll have or variations of fuck I will have in a book and you know like fuck fuck it fucking fucked like I mean I have you know it's a verb it's a noun it's mm-hmm. An adjective, it's, it's yeah. useful in so many different variations and so <laughs> in one of my books they like they actually like went through and counted because it was before you could do like the search on the Kindle function and like just see the number that came up. But now that they can do that, like somebody will inevitably do it and then post a screenshot of how many it was when a book <laughs> releases. <laughs> um, I love the word fuck. I just, you know, I have such a potty mouth. And when I was still doing trial work, it was really hard for me to not curse in court. I never did. I always caught myself, but. My law school class voted me most likely to be held in contempt of court. And, <laughs> and part of that is because I cursed all the time and they were like, thought that I was going to slip and curse in front of a judge, but I never did.
0: Or at the judge. I mean, you never know. <laughs> or at
2: the judge. Oh, there were many times I had to rein myself in where I just wanted to scream, you're a fucking idiot. That's not what the law says. But <laughs> But I didn't because I probably would have been held in contempt and likely disbarred. Yeah,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done rather well here. I don't think you've said anything, really. I was like, <laughs> as far as that word goes. Not too bad, no. Not too <laughs> bad, yeah. So that's good. I mean, again, I use it as a noun, pronoun, adjective, descriptive, all this fun stuff. So um, Me too. I relate. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I love doing with our guests is playing the game of two truths and a lie, where you tell us three things about yourself and we have to figure out which one's the lie. Did you do your homework?
2: Yes, I did. Right. Okay. So here are my three things. Number one, I'm vegetarian. Number two, I love cats. And number three, I love the dry weather in Vegas. You would think
0: they may not be the whole dry weather, considering all this stuff that we were talking about recently. but. <laughs> I have a feeling that that's that that's not the lie. um hmm. Is the lie that you are a vegetarian?
2: No, that is a truth. Okay. The lie the lie is that I love cats. <laughs> oh, I was hoping that wasn't going to be it. I, I am one hundred percent a dog person, and yeah. I am deathly allergic to cats. So. Uh, I, I've never been able to love cats because they literally will make my throat swell close.
0: Oh, see, yeah. So you have, an, see, yeah, see. So yours is, a, there's a valid, potential valid reason behind it as far as the allergy, that's a valid. Uh, yeah,
2: and I think that it like tainted my view of them as animals oh, from yeah. a very young age because the way that we discovered that I was allergic to cats is I was probably <sighs> three or four years old and I had never been around a cat before just because we didn't, know anybody who had one and we didn't have any pets and we went to a friend's house and they had you know one of those big like like mean coons that are just enormous they're like dog-sized and it was super mellow and sweet and loved kids and like I I just started picking him up and carrying him around with me (laughs) and within 20 minutes my eyes had swelled shut my throat was swelling shut and they ended up having to like Shove Benadryl down my throat and then take me to the emergency room because I was having such a severe allergic reaction. Aww. So I think that like it literally scarred me.
0: Oh, I mean, uh, I can't imagine. Know, and
2: and and that's why it's really hard for me to like love cats. <laughs> I mean, I think they're beautiful and I think they're cute, and you know, but but I just can't. I they try to, un- you know, to, to kill you
0: you know unintentionally, but they try to kill me, and I'm a
2: dog, so I'm, so I'm <laughs> very much a dog person. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, oh yeah, poor puppies uh, and doggies like that. It's uh, the kittens get, I think cat, people tend to be more allergic to cats than they are with dogs. And Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. there's something
2: about the cat dander, cat fur that just, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. But I mean, they're just so cute. But I, I can relate from that perspective. My mom, she had an incident with the cat when she was younger. So we grew up and didn't have any animals. And then when we did finally have animals, it was a dog. And I always wanted a cat did not have my own cat until I moved out of my house. <laughs> so I can relate. <laughs> like, and I would always tell her I'm like, mom, but it's not, it was a bad experience and it wasn't like an allergy or anything. So, you know, something that she could have dealt with. And she's like, nope. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> but yeah, so I was hoping that it wasn't the the lie that you love animals. but I mean, cats, <laughs> but yeah, so you are a vegetarian. You do love the dry weather. Um, I do. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's
2: way better it's way better than snow and you know snow up to your eyeballs and negative 30 wind chills in Wisconsin so
0: (laughs) yeah I mean related to those yes I mean it's interesting how we always kind of like relate our preferences to experiences like I've again born and raised in Florida I'm like I can move to up north where there's you know potential to be snowed in so long as Amazon delivers at least, right. you know <laughs> if I can work from home and I don't have to leave my house, um, right. I think I would be okay. But then check on me after a few months of doing that, see where I would be back. Yeah,
2: it's a lot <laughs> different when you live it. It's you know, go go to go to Wisconsin in January or February where the wind chills negative thirty and you know, they close the schools because it's too cold to even send the kids to school. Mm-hmm. And, you know. You have a major snowstorm that dumps two feet of snow. That literally the drifts are over your eyeballs. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot. And I mean, I lived there for thirty five years. I lived there almost my entire life before I moved here. So you know, I did a lot of that. And yeah. I, you know, I, I'm over it. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, I my parents. My parents still live there, and like I'm going going back in July to see them. Um, I've told them I'll only come visit during like you know, spring, summer, fall, but never winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they come here for Christmas every other year. i never go there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have in-laws in Keller, Texas and family in Connecticut. And I would, I mean, when I got married and stuff like that, I told Michael, go, listen, y'all can come whenever you want. Please know that I am not leaving my house in August. So, and we're not doing the parks in the summer. That's like end of May through the beginning right. of September because, and they're like, sh- they were shocked. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It is, we only have certain weathers here. We have either the wet and dry season. We have the hot, hotter, goddamn, and what the fuck hot here. And mm-hmm. it's just crazy. So you don't leave your house, especially in August. Um, that, well, that's, that's
2: the same in Vegas. It's 120 here in August, oh. so, July and August. So yeah. I, See, I, I don't know? leave my... I don't leave my house unless I absolutely mm-hmm. have to. And then yep. even then, you know, it's it's you go somewhere that's air conditioned and you park mm-hmm. as close as possible or mm-hmm. you're in a pool under an umbrella the whole time. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Those are your only destinations. Uh, otherwise, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you?
2: Sure. Um, so next week we're recording this. Uh, what? June. Ninth. Um, so June fifth, June fifteenth, my second uh, Mountain Man Lumberjack book is coming out. It's a uh, billionaire lumberjack's baby. That's releasing on the fifteenth, three days early on my website on the twelfth, and it's a super, super, super angsty, emotional book. I, I like my husband jokes that I have, you know, a black cold heart of ice.
0: Oh, but your tone this, was saying it when you were book, telling but, us the name.
2: But this book. Like this book made me cry writing it and I am not a crier. So like that's how angsty and emotional it is. So that's coming out the 15th. It's a mountain man, lumberjack, secret baby, age gap, employer, employee story. So it's got a lot of really good, delicious forced proximity, a lot of really good, delicious tropes in there. And then in July, I have the next book in my Hawk family series releasing. This is um, the second generation of my my best-selling series, um, Reticent Hawk. And that's also a very angsty, emotional book. (laughs) I wrote two angsty, emotional books back-to-back, which was dumb. And then in August, I have my second royal romance coming out. That one I co-wrote with Christy Anderson. It's called Russian and Royally Complicated. And it's a surprise baby, forced proximity, enemies to lovers, And royal and royal romance that takes place in a um, magical foreign country that we've created. (laughs) Um, And that that one is really they're all all three of them are steamy. All three of them have a little bit of angst, although some have more than others. But those are my next couple releases this summer. I have a very busy summer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we have lots of goodies to catch up, up, you know, once we get them near you're out into the world. I'll make sure to include all of that info into the show notes so people can grab them. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, appreciate it. absolutely. Well, thank you, Gwen, for being part of this year's audiobook loving series. And everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this chat and the series. It's been so much fun, Gwen. Thank you again, really.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. And I'll make sure to include all of your social information so listeners can follow you and also join your reader group, because that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, over at the show notes uh, for the audiobook loving series at Viviana Enchantress the Books. Until next time, happy listenings. A special thank you to authors DJ Krimmer, Tana Stone, Landon Beach,
2: PJ Fiala, and all of our sponsors of the Audiobook Lovin' 2023 series.
1: Visit today's episode post to listen to sound clips of some of the books we discussed and enter the month-long giveaway. If you enjoyed the Audiobook Lovin' podcast series and you want more, join the Audiobook Lovin' podcast Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content like the Would You Rather game and dinner party guests, and additional incentives such as bloopers, graphics, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for joining Viviana and her guests for this podcast, and we hope you tune in again as we continue to celebrate Audiobook Month. The Audiobook Lovin' series is hosted by Viviana, the Enchantress of Books. Please make sure to visit the main page linked within the post to learn more about the entire Audiobook Lovin' series and the enchanting author and narrator guests who have joined us over the years. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you listened, and please follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana the Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you have enjoyed this program.